Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Back at it, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, according to Twitter, it appears you had a little too much fun without me, Uh, but I am back from my adventures in Utah and excited to be here. That's right, Nick, I see you scowling, but uh, you were ratted on. The snitches were in full force. First of all, our audience understood that the gatekeeper was away. And they had a lot of fun without you. So blame them. And then maybe we we also had a little too much fun. But you know what? Fun was the operative word. And now, even though it's Sunday fun day, it's like the sheriff's back in town, you know? Like, ugh. Just a little bit of structure, Dan. It's not supposed to be oppressive. Come on now. Look, Brandad, you know, we had a really good time (laughs) while you were away. You know, you left $20 on the counter for us to get some pizza and have a good time. And you know what? Maybe we invited a few friends over and we didn't break anything. At least it, uh, not that you know of. I was going to say. Quick note, <laughs> your, uh, your car is in the pool, but we're going to fix that. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about that. Well, I'm excited to be back nonetheless amongst the wreckage and chaos in Tweeds. I'm excited to have you hanging out with us as well. Uh, I'm not sure they believed I was actually going to be back, so they they made sure we had a guest just in case. But here we are, the four of us. Yeah, no, glad to be back. And uh, yeah, I kind of echo the guys' uh, sentiments there. It was uh, very much like the parents had gone away for like a weekend. And yeah, it wasn't too rowdy, just just about rowdy enough. So uh, yeah, I think it was it was good fun. But yeah, glad to have you back as well. Mm. Well, I, I appreciate that with without a doubt. Uh, but Dan, breaking, before we get into the full and batch review, which is probably what everyone is here for, we are recording shortly after the Chelsea women's dominant performance in the Champions League off to the final. Uh, what are we doing for that? I mean, they flipped the script. And uh, look, we obviously were part of the social media blackout this weekend with the clubs, players, fans, organizations that are trying to advocate for more responsibility from social media platforms and how they manage uh, racism, intolerance in all its very forms, uh, terrible forms. Uh, So we haven't been posting, but our group chats this weekend, uh, our Discord community responding to Chelsea women getting to 
the Champions League final first time in history. Uh, we had some wonderful three-word match reviews submitted by our lovely listeners. Uh, <laughs> zone, no dad, no dad. Uh, Europe is blue. The high notes with squeaky bum oiled. Uh, Habercat with Emma's Hayes's army. Uh, Brad Pulley with build Emma's statue. And uh, Janique was calling it out as the Fabregas quote. But, uh, yeah, we'll make an exception for the four words, but uh, it's football is fucking unbelievable. And that definitely captures the moment of this match and the the turn of the script. Like it was it, it was fantastic. I mean, what what else could you want coming out of a two one deficit? Nick, the women showed up, corrected the misconception that maybe they might struggle against uh, those Bayern Munich team, Melanie Lupul's clearly had uh, uh, something to prove. Look, I, the first time you do something, I mean, you don't have a blueprint, you don't have a map, right? And and even though Chelsea, I think, were favored to go through, it doesn't mean that the other team's not getting paid too. <laughs> you know, I mean, Bayern Bayern have been there before. They they know they know how to get there. So it's. It's always really interesting to see how teams respond in really difficult circumstances. If you saw Emma's post-game presser after the first leg, she made it very, very clear that this team would be ready for the second leg. Uh, They had the whole week off. I think they did some training. They looked at at maybe where Byron hit them uh, in the first leg. And, you know, I think for the most part, except for a couple of hairy patches at the end, uh, it was it was a really controlled and calm performance, and I think to do that on the biggest stage, Dan, I, I, you know, it, it just takes courage and guts to believe in yourself to to get to this point, right? And Emma Hayes is the biggest cheerleader for these women. She is the best manager in the world, and she fulfilled her own promises. Yeah, it's quite exceptional. It's the quad is still on late, in, you know, early into May here with a very historic moment for the club. Uh, plenty of tactical adjustments in the way that we push back their, their full backs, uh, and their uh, right back, left back to really contain them in a way that we didn't in the first match. I mean, you saw, uh, Jess Carter on gloss was just a yep. much, much improved performance, uh, you know, week over week. And yeah, I mean, it's just really, really incredible from the entire team. The, you know, Air, Air Emma after the game when she was jumping on the sidelines and just, I think, got like two or three feet off the ground because gravity, gravity couldn't hold them down. <laughs> Joe, it was just a, a really impressive end to end performance and uh, something hopefully that, uh, could be some bulletin board material for Tuchel and the men heading into the midweek too. Yeah. And I think one thing that I want to, to touch on briefly is that, uh, Fran Kirby is absolutely, absolutely insane. Like she is such an incredible, incredible player. Um, you know, her. I know her journey that she she's had a pretty sort of rough time of it the past sort of year, two years in terms of everything going on with her. But to see someone who has, you know, just come on and completely dominated. I mean, I think she scored the first and the last goal, if I'm if I'm correct in saying that. Um, the last one made me laugh because she's running towards an open goal and I can tell in her head she's thinking please don't miss please don't miss please don't miss please don't miss um, and then slides it in and obviously the the team uh, sort of win in, in, in really dramatic fashion but the link up that she has with, with Kerr up front is really out of this world and you know we can make comparisons to the first team but 
there is absolutely nothing wrong with how the uh, the women's team attack. You know, their their build up, their ability to 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 score. Um, I think Kerr was unlucky to not to not finish sort of a little bit earlier, probably to to take the edge off the game as well. But um, yeah, and, and I, the one thing I really love was that uh, I think it's G her her free kick. I think it hits the wall, it comes back, and she sort of like passes it really delicately under under everyone, and then by the time it sort of rolls into the bottom corner. The rest of the Bayern players are sort of confused at what's just happened, but I thought it was an absolutely superb performance. And I think what Nick said, certainly when it comes to, you know, kind of calling your number in sports is often quite a big thing. You know, we are, we are going to turn up, we are going to perform. Um, you know, it takes a certain level of, of ability and confidence to be able to back that up. And I think the, uh, the, the women's team today absolutely hit their, you know, hit the nail on the head in terms of everything that they needed to do. Um, and fully, fully deserve their place in the final. And I think, again, you know, for people that still want to, you know, I don't know, like poke fun or poke holes at women's football, I'm not sure if you could watch that game and tell me that wasn't, an, uh, you know, as exciting as, as any game that, that's probably been played in, in a long while as well. So, you know, both in terms of excitement and quality, I think it was fantastic. And we'll be definitely uh, rooting for the for the women when it comes to the to the final. But yeah, superb job. And uh, I think, as, as Nick said, you know, Emma Hayes is, I mean, she's absolutely exceptional, isn't she? She really is, I think, one of the the, the best managers in football. And, and that, that counts for, for both the male and, and, and female game as well. So, uh, yeah, best luck to, to them in the final. But what a, what a performance. And uh, again, you know, if, you, if you're going to call your number, you're going to talk it up and, and say you're going to perform. When you deliver, it does make it all the more sweeter. Brandon, we, at the beginning of the season, we made a commitment to buy... Uh, women's shirts for the first time. I'm wearing mine. You're wearing yours. I got I got Millie on mine. You have Cuthbert. Dan got Sam Kerr. Tried to curse her. And yeah, we did our best. Um, <laughs> and uh, and look, I, I think it's just our growing commitment to you know we we've been talking about the women for a few years now, but our growing commitment to covering this incredible team. I mean, they're just incredible. Um, and you. You know this from from having played, but the ability to believe your manager and everything that the manager says. Like when Emma came out last week and said, "We are going to, we're going to be better next week." <laughs> like I, be, you know, she said it with her whole chest. Like she she was ready uh, for this. So I, I just I'm really really proud of this team that they they showed up in a way that we know they can because they have done this all year. Uh, it's just it has to mean a lot to him, you know. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this is the pinnacle of um, club competition, right? You, you know, if you're in Europe, it's the Champions League. So, just running it back real quick, right? So Chelsea won four to one against Bayern. That's five three on aggregate, right? So it was still a tight affair for most of the match. Uh, this is the first time reaching the final in the Chelsea women's history. First Goals. time a British team has made the final, too. Also, mm -hmm. you know, carrying that flag per usual. Mm. Uh, first time, or goals from Fran, G, Harder, and Kirby on the double for the brace. Incredible free kicks from G. Uh, Carter had a great free kick that assisted Harder. And then that, that the Carter to Harder was so damn good, too. Like the move in. And I mean, better, Harder has faster, Carter, Harder. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, well, anyway, um, I mean, she's been making a living at when she was at Wolfsburg, you know, taking, taking Byron around the park. And so it was another opportunity for her to get to do that today. And so, uh, really, really special. Yeah. And then same thing with Jess Carter having the shutdown defensive performance on, on a glass who, you know, essentially was, you know, their focal point kept her in check. And then lastly, we're taking on Barcelona 
in the final. So Barcelona Femenil, uh, Chelsea women in the in the final. I haven't done my homework. Do we know where the final is? It's in Gothenburg, Sweden. Ooh. Yeah, little little homecoming for uh, for yeah. our Capitan. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, uh, more to come on that, but we there's no way we're not going to touch on that and cover it, um, especially Chelsea women make the Champions League final. Well, Chelsea play Fulham. <laughs> Think, yeah, think about the next couple of weeks for these women, right? They could lock up the league, right? The FA Cup's going to draw on for a little bit longer uh, because it got a late start this year. Uh, but Dan's comment on the on the quadruple is still alive. I, you know, being a nervous Nelly myself, I'm not going to commit to anything uh, from a prediction standpoint. But I mean, the the league should be relatively straightforward. Uh, get that locked in. That'll be nice. Champions League final, we got to figure out something from like a watch party standpoint because that's going to be we have the FA oh, Cup a- final and the Champions League final on the same weekend. It's going to be bonkers. Yeah. Uh, what, what, you know, this is just Chelsea stuff. You know what I'm talking about being a Chelsea final, Cup finals, that's what Chelsea fans are used to. And the women are delivering, just are, are the men. So let's go ahead and transition over. Uh, to the men's match review now. It, it was Fulham, in case you've already forgotten after this illustrious um, coverage of the of the women, but we're going to be talking about Kai's day out and the SW6 Derby. We're going to be talking about the tale of two Tuchels, all right, fact or fiction, and, and obviously plenty more. Um, so what we're going to do to start it, per usual, we're now going to do another round of three-word match reviews because apparently Dan gets paid per match review. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Get getting pennies on the, the dollar here for each one of these. But uh, EGM with the Cobra Kai's Dojo, uh, Gabriel with a Silkai double, D-Rob Ooh. with the Kai's The Limit. A lot of Kai ones, uh, no surprise, considering. Uh, Christopher did want to shout out our wonderful goalkeeper for the Mendy Manifest Magic. Also got the alliteration there, too. Uh, Adi dropped one with Brace for Reality. Uh, mm, uh, coming up like in week. And then uh, Bump Bailey, 13, with the German front line. And also one for you too, Nick, which was the uh, the Worum Nichver. Okay. Why not right, us? Guys. Uh, they're, they're, they're going multicultural on you. Hey, guys, I get it. Thanks. I understand. <laughs> so so we're good. Uh, we, also, we why it. are you not? Uh, hold up. Can we just say this? The why not us should not apply to league games, okay? We're like 25 points back in the league. So just leave it. Leave it for Wednesday. All right? That's all I'm saying. All right. So over to us. Uh, Dan, your three-word match review for this one. Well, since we're going to lose Scott Par- Scotty Parker to the championships next season and his streets parodies have been so good, uh, I will a little <laughs> bit of a tribute here. Streets don't lie. Uh, they're trying so hard, man. They're just – they don't have it. I don't have enough goals. Um, yeah, I went with slow and steady. Uh, this was this was not a uh, a vintage performance. I wouldn't say um, this is not something that'll excite the uh, the people. It was kind of a low energy atmosphere in the pub yesterday, but uh, you know, just enough to get it done and and save some energy for uh, midweek. All right, tweeds. What about you, sir? Yeah, I think with a nod to sort of the mid two thousands indie bands, I've gone with Kai's a chief. So like the Kaiser Chiefs, but Kaiser A Chief. I like that. See, it's good. Thinking, yeah. thinking in the man's game. All right. <laughs> I I just went with bye bye Fulham. I mean, especially with yeah. the new cat. Like, Phoning it in. NSYNC, I like it. They're gone. 
It's gonna be May. Anyone? Did you miss it yesterday? <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, gratitudes and housekeeping. A uh, huge shout out to Ben uh, Barat Joseph on uh, Patreon joining up the community. I know there's more people joining every day. We'll continue to catch up. Um, not only can you do an annual subscription to save money, Tweeds, who's here, is doing an incredible amount of content that is only on the Patreon, which is a weekly newsletter, but then also a Q&A the following day. So uh, this is going to be exciting. That's all stuff that's purely on Patreon. He's also doing stuff, as you'll find out in a little bit, that is on the RSS feed and free to consume. Uh, Dan, over to you for the Apple Podcast Reviews. Yeah, more five-star love. Even with app updates, people could not be contained. They had to drop some five-star Apple podcast reviews for us. We had Dominic Dunn, 1230, who also commented that he's a 20-year season ticket holder and we're his favorite podcast about Chelsea. So appreciate that. And then uh, Ibrahim from Saudi Arabia leaving us a little love too. So great you know, five-star Apple podcast reviews. They found a way through technology, so you should be able to as well. So leave us five stars. Yeah, and I missed the one that's whoever it was that stole their wife's phone to leave one as well. But that was fun that you shared that. Legend. It was the girlfriend who posted for the significant other. There's, yeah, this is there's what been I'm a saying. couple. Yeah. Guys, think about tactics here. We talk about tactics all this all the time on the show. <laughs> that is a wonderful tactic. All right, let's get the significant others involved and let's make sure that we double up on these reviews. All right, thank you. Right back at you, Nick. What do we got coming up this week? Oh, just your typical week of a Champions League semifinal that could uh, that could really, uh, I think, for Dan, make or break his season. Um, uh, you know, I think I think he is holding on to a lot of hope here. So, uh, but for real, we we will be back on Wednesday evening after the second leg at Stanford Bridge uh, with friend of the pod and absurdly requested guest Jenny Chu uh, who will be back uh, to ask us more puzzling questions and to make us look bad so that'll be really cool and then on on late next week whether it's Thursday or Friday unsure but Joe we have a we have quite a hefty King's Road uh, this week can you can you tell us a little bit more yeah this is uh this is gonna be a fun one for me heavy sigh right before this by the way Big, just a big yeah. breath to get it all lots, in. Lots of air needed for this one because it's, uh, yeah, no. So we have, I think, the first half of a two-parter dropping with um, ex-Chelsea player, Chelsea Academy graduate Ruben Samut. Mm-hmm. We basically talk about everything from, you know, joining the club as an eight-year-old, what that process what that process looks like, um, how Chelsea even scout children, you know, that sort of whole process itself. We look at sort of the way that the Chelsea develop young players, you know, through to sort of the ages of 12, 13, when things start getting a bit more serious, what the process of getting a scholarship looks like, um, you know, all the way through to playing for the for the 18s, looking at sort of uh, FA Youth Cups, the importance of that, the UEFA Youth League, um, looking specifically at how Chelsea try to develop players. We look at things like individual action plans, um, you know, looking at sort of uh, putting them into kind of set positions, all this sort of stuff. And we kind of, the, the second half of the podcast, I think will focus a little bit more on how to sort of bridge the gap between the sort of, you know, the under 18s, under 23s at Chelsea with with adult football, whether that involves looking at sort of B teams, looking at the checker trade trophy as sort of a, a blueprint for how sort of Chelsea's youngsters would fare in a, in a league. Um, what Chelsea could do better with loans and, and things of this nature. And yeah, I think it's it's a really unique insight. Obviously, you've got somebody who has just recently come through the academy, has very, very sort of current and contemporary thoughts. But also, I think the interesting thing that people will find is that Ruben also is, is at the moment um, working part-time as a scout for Chelsea in their academy, 
and also for, for Cholton in some capacity as well. So he also has this sort of scouting mentality. So it's really this sort of the full spectrum of development at the academy. And, um, you know, really, really, really grateful to him and, and the time that he gave me. I mean, we went two hours in, in one block, which is a pretty extensive conversation. So um, I'm hoping that there's going to be some really nice insights in there, some really good anecdotes and stories about like guys like Rhys James and Mason and people in there as well. Um, but in particular, one of my favourite questions I've ever got to ask who would win a 50-50 between Mark Gerhe and Rhys James? You'll have to uh, tune in to find out the answer Ooh. to that one. Um, but uh, yeah, Ruben was was great, really gracious with his time. And I think hopefully, uh, you know, in, in future, we can maybe get him on the on the main pod as well, because he's he's a very, very smart young uh, footballer. And I think he's uh, he's got a lot of good insights as well. So yeah, looking forward to that. Again, so if you want to continue to support Joe and all that stuff, uh, go subscribe on Patreon, 3 or $5 a month plus annual uh, subscriptions with a discount. So anyways, let us go into the match review. It was Fulham in the Premier League this past Saturday. Again, the 1st of May. I won't say it again. It was at Stamford Bridge. Scoreline Chelsea 2, Fulham nil. All right, Dan, take us through the lineup. Let's figure out how we got to this 2-0 victory. Oh, I appreciate you putting me back to work, Brandon. It was uh, Ed Wamendi between the sticks. It was Andreas Christensen, Thiago Silva, and Kurt Zuma with Antonio Rudiger out in this match as our back three. Mason Mount, Ben Chilwell, Billy Gilmore, Reese James, uh, you know, uh, ended up being our midfield. And then uh, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and Hakim Ziyech were our forwards. It was way more fluid than that, and we'll get into it. Uh, new substitutes included Keparitha Blaga. Cesar Aspilicueta gets a rest. Finally, the man gets a chance to rehab a little bit. Jorginho, Christian Pulisic, uh, Andrin makes the bench along with Calum Hudson-Odoi. And then we saw appearances from N'Golo Kante in the 66th minute. 76th minute, we also saw Tammy Abraham come onto the pitch in the 81st minute. The new closer, Marcus Alonso, shuts down shop. All right, well, some of the top-line stats in this one. Chelsea... Being edged in possession, only 48.7% possession at home against Fulham. Uh, we had nine shots, five of them on target to Fulham's 10 shots, only three on target for them, though. Um, they had more passes and touches than us, but that comes with possession. We had 24 tackles to their 21, 25 clearances to their eight. This is not the stat line you normally would expect to read from Chelsea versus Fulham. Uh, we had one corner to their eight. We had seven offsides to their one, uh, a caution apiece and 15 fouls conceded to Fulham's eight and wrapping it up with the XG from at XG philosophy, Chelsea 1.38 to Fulham's 0.4. We continue, continue, continue to do the business. Uh, but let's go ahead and take our ad break. When we're back though, we're jumping right in to making changes to the lineup and uh, essentially how the formation and Kai Havertz really got us across the line. So we thank you, these sponsors, for supporting the show financially. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Many changes from Madrid left Chelsea looking a little different at the start of this match. But one man, Kai Havertz, didn't care what formation was, probably didn't even care what position he was. He was going to score today and score he did. So, Tweeds, kicking it off to you. How did the German show off his skills today? What stood out to you about Kai Havertz's performance? And was there a Fulham factor involved? Yeah, this is a, a good question. Um, Thank you. I think Havertz, yeah. <laughs> yeah, glad, glad to have you back, yeah, to get some sensible <laughs> questions in. Um, I think it was was probably his movement, I would say, certainly from from that, that was kind of midfield, um, sort of midfield slash centre-forward role that he was playing in. Um 
yeah, the way that he was dropping into pockets, I think his movement off the shoulder, certainly the way that he read um, Mason's kind of touch and then and then pass, um, even for the, the second goal, the free ball from Werner, you know, that ability. So I think almost sort of be maybe one or two passes ahead of the of the game. Um, yeah, I, I think that that was probably, I wouldn't say the first time we've seen it this season, but I think when it was really, really noticeable, that sort of intelligence playing on, on the last um, sort of line of defence playing on the last shoulder of a defender. The timing of, of both runs for, for both goals was exceptional. Um, I think in general, his his all-round game, you know, was was excellent. We saw some some really, really good touches, um, some nice linking of play as well from him. But it would be, I think the movement for the both goals, that, that was that was world-class. That that was the, you know, the, the, you know, you're looking at sort of reasons as to why Chelsea have spent so much money on him, that sort of movement, that ability to to generate the space, to create the little pocket of, of space he needed for, for both goals. Um, that to me was the, the real sign of, of Havertz and his quality. And I think as well, both finishes, I mean, the first one, Ola Aina is all over him, um, you know, doing pretty much as much as you can without giving away a penalty, um, you know, held him off well and then obviously finished. And then, yeah, the second one as well was just, again, super, super intelligent movement, read, read the play, read the the pass that was coming and was able to sort of dip back and then open himself up and then just finish really, really easily. So I think from, from that perspective, Havertz's movement, his his sort of quality in those areas was was all for, for, for people to see. And in terms of the way Fulham were playing, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know how how great their, their, their sort of centre-backs are. I think it's Tosin Adebayero. I think he was from a City Academy player from, from memory from back in the day. Um I don't think he had eyes on, on Havertz all game. And that's probably partly due to Havertz's ability to move and keep himself um, sort of out of the, the line of defenders, but also maybe is a, is a testament as to why Fulham are currently in a relegation battle. The awareness at their back isn't quite there for me, but I think Havertz completely and utterly took advantage of that and was seen really with the with the excellent movement for, for both goals. So yeah, a lot of, lot of stand-up things, some really nice touches, some nice linking of play. But when you're looking for the real quality and the quality in the game, I think that came from his movement and both the finishes that he that he produced. It's three goals in his last three Premier League appearances, Nick. Uh, nothing like a classic number nine leading the lineup there. Yeah, I mean, I, Joe was talking about the the runs in. I, I mean, I don't remember. It's probably just look. I, I'm I have I have a bias clearly here, but I don't remember the last time that we scored two goals on two brilliant passes like that. You yeah. know, I mean the the timing of that, you I mean, that's what we used to envy Barcelona for, right? Is this that pinpoint accurate mm-hmm. into the box, perfectly weighted, all you have to do is hit it with your left foot and it, it's a goal, right? I mean, that's like the shit dreams are made out of, really. I mean, it's it's it was very, very impressive. Um and I think for for Kai to me, Dan, it's it couldn't be more important that he is an option right now, right? I think he is, he is a different – you kind of go through the full spectrum of our striking options. On one side, you have Timo Werner, who's, who's speed, but maybe not the finish. On the other side, you have you know guys like Tammy Abraham and Giroud, who are kind of bigger hold-up options, who you know I think have done well with their chances this year, but maybe – maybe aren't as prolific. And then you have the guy in the middle who's Kai, who can do kind of both things. Is quicker than he looks, is better ball skills uh, than the rest of them, and maybe is the most clinical finisher of the group when he really gets going. Uh, like, I, I don't I don't know that for sure, but it seems like he could be on a run now, which is good. 
Well, when you think about the fact that, you know, he's now up to kind of in total eight goals, six, uh, six assists. So he's at 14 goal contributions, goals and assists this season. And, you know, he's really had, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, minutes, you know, he's much further down the pack, um, in terms of total minutes, right? Like, uh, he's at 2200 minutes compared to some of our other acquisitions, like Ben Chilwell, who's getting close to 3000 minutes or Timo Werner, who's played almost 3,400 minutes. And so to see Kai coming alive now, you know, obviously we've, we've talked probably ad nauseum at this point about integrating into the league, his bout with COVID, his transition back and recovering from that appropriately. If he can be a contributor in this role at the end of the season and be that spark that we need heading into you know, one of those pivotal weeks in in the season where you have a uh, Champions League semifinal that is going to be, I think, the narrowest of margins. Like, I don't think it's going to be neither side is going to batter each other. It is not predicting be a, a blowout. Are you, Dan? That's oh, weird. no, no, not predicting a blowout. Uh, it is going to be a brawl. It is going to be a slugfest. And if Kai Havertz is there to help lock down the slugfest, that is just good news for Chelsea and Chelsea supporters, Brandon. Right. We had the the German duo leading the line as well. I mean, we talked about it early in the season. They're always going to look for each other. There's It's just a little bit simpler when you're speaking your own language. Um, they probably came up through the DFB youth system together. They get to play on international breaks together. Like They're just mates in the locker room. There's no doubt about it, Cunt fellow countrymen. So um, again, to see those two have success... Uh, is brilliant to see Timo continue to be in the goal producing category is good. It would be a lot more of a concern if he was on a Torres-esque run where he wasn't producing anything. But the fact is he's still involved in goal contributions. And, you know, I know this is about Kai, but moving to Timo a little bit, kind of, I kind of feel bad for him, but also I'm impressed in the way that he's not banging in the goals like last season, the last few seasons. But he has stepped up and found a way to help the team win, uh, probably to his own sacrifice. And while we'd all want him to be scoring more goals, kudos to him for picking his head up consistently. He probably should have had at least two assists, um, you know, with Ziyech not finishing his opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, look, I think that we also have to look at Timo having to play a completely different role than he's ever done. And he's getting us you know goal contributions one way or another so it's um it's credit for him obviously i think kai is going to be super crucial especially here at the end of the run tuchel had some quotes after the end of match just saying that like look we need kai to be spot on to achieve our goals he is crucial to the plans joe i i think that it was a long season for kai with covid coming to england very different pace of play this would be the perfect time for things to start to click for him as far as uh, if you could pick and choose. Oh, 100%, yeah. Um, I think when we look back on this season and we evaluate Havertz's performance, I, I think it's so easy to forget that there has been so much really, I think, working against him in terms of him hitting the ground running. You know, you have, first of all, this very long and protracted transfer saga, which I don't think really ever really helps anybody. Um, the transfer fee, I think, adds a certain weight to the move. You had the fact that he's moving in a pandemic. There has been virtually zero preseason that he's had. Um, 
coming in, you know, new language. I think I think he speaks English, but certainly not to the degree that, you know, the, with the, the speed with which, you know, Mason and Reese and people will talk in English. Um, I, I've seen him have some interviews at the club where I think his understanding of English is very academic. You know, he's still learning that sort of a uh, little bit more of a casual kind of way that people have conversations. So the language barrier, I think, has been a tiny issue. Um, you know, he was just, I think, starting to find his feet pre-COVID. I keep going back to the Burnley game that he had where I felt he was outstanding when Lampard was here. He was playing in midfield with Mason and Kante and they really, really looked like they were going to be something special. He gets COVID. Um, I don't think that he's really sort of super recovered from it. I think he's one of the players that has um, obviously felt the effects of that. And then coming back into the team, you have the change of manager, change of system. Um, and then it's, again, a question of trying to find your feet, trying to get some of that rust off, trying to get up to up to speed in a team that are really, you know, kind of on a roll in terms of performances under Tuchel. Um, and yet, sort of now we're sort of seeing towards the end of the season, if he can get into a little pocket where he is playing like this regularly, you know, I don't use that sort of cliche of, of, you know, it's just like having a new signing, but it really does give, I think, that, that attacking third um, a huge amount of impetus in there because I think we can see, you know, when he plays in, in, in areas like he did against Fulham, when he gets on the ball more, um, when he can make those runs off the shoulder, when he can use his sort of instincts, our play in the final third goes from being pretty pedestrian and pretty, you know, kind of lethargic at times, actually quite quite intense in terms of the speed, the runs that they were making, the directness, um, and the intelligence I think he had is, has is a huge bonus. Obviously, I think he links very well with Mason as well, which is obviously, you know, it's, it's a really, really strong point. But coming to the real, real kind of, you know, final, you know, 50, 60 metres of the season now, um, he, he has, I think, the potential to be a little bit of a difference maker. And I think this season, certainly under Tuchel, where we've had some of these tight games where we haven't always had the, the most amount of chances, we've needed that little bit of, uh, that little bit of magic and little bit of sparkle that I think somebody like, like Havertz can produce, whether that is by a finish or by making a clever run or just some of the touches that he showed against Fulham. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy. And I think he, he is going to be a pretty uh, pretty definitive player for us for the rest of the season. And then obviously going into next year, you hope full pre-season, getting more acclimatised to the league. Maybe he, he finds what a gym is and then goes and has a few sessions, builds himself up a bit. Um, goes on the the Bayern Goretzka diet or whatever it is called in in Germany. Um, Super soldier serum is, is what that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, sorry, yeah, I was trying to be PC about it, but yeah, <laughs> going on the uh, the non drug tested uh, Bayern Munich approach. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully he'll come back next season a little bit more physically prepared. Um, but you can see the intelligence, the touch, the ability. You, you, that that for me is not in doubt. Um, but if we get the full performance for the rest of the season. You know, I think that that is a huge, huge bonus to a team that has lacked, I think, a little bit in the final third, and he can be a difference maker. If if you get him close to goal, that's good. I I don't yeah. know. I, you know, you were talking about him in the midfield earlier in the season. I don't know if he is like purpose built to be a box to box Premier League midfielder. I I don't know that yet. We we yeah. haven't seen enough of him in that role, but it would suggest that if he is, uh. You know, if he's able to more uh, frequently get near the goal, it would seem uh, important <laughs> to get him the ball because he can finish. <laughs> you know, and a, like yeah. in a team that is lacking, it, we have all the stats here, Brandon. I want you to read these off because they said this during the broadcast yesterday, and I was floored. Uh, I was absolutely floored. I think these stats are incredible for a team that has very much struggled. Uh, and before yesterday was 16th in shot conversion under Tuchel. Uh, now is 13th. That's the spoiler for the stats. But uh, it, it is 
imperative that we get a guy who's clinical in front of the goal to score. Like, I mean, it would make sense to me. Yeah, I think you can just see that, Kai, you need to kind of save his energy for the attacking third. Again, no slight against him. He just does his best work in and around the opponent's box. Not so much tracking back defending. So uh, puzzle for Tuchel to solve. So uh, what Nick was hinting at was that there's this continued tale of two Tuchels in quotation marks. Um, But is that really the case? How much of this do we believe that we're not a great attacking side because we're terrible at converting? Is there more of the truth to that? Is there no truth to that? Um, so Dan, what it came down to, right, is, is this image that, um, the Premier League put up in the broadcast. It was that since the Tuchel's first Premier League game on January 27th, so this is not an entire season. This is only under Tuchel compared to against the rest of the Premier League. We're, we've scored 20 goals, which is sixth in the Premier League. We've had 222 shots, which is second. We've had 88 shots on target, which is first. We've had 188 chances created, which is also first. And then our shot conversion at 9%, which is up to, as Nick pointed out, 13th in the league. So again, Dan, this tale of two halves is if we had a really good striker, we might be just unbelievable if you just look at the stats here. Dan, Dan, this is the horse drawing that like starts out very detailed, and then as you get more, it becomes the stencil with like square ears and shit. Like uh, yeah, you're not, not even drawing it with pencil at that point. You're like just you know using like finger paint to try to get it to the end. This, yeah, I, I don't think it's a tale of two Tuchels. Like I, I think this is Tuchel has improved the defense. He's improve the attack because of where we're 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 creating chances we're getting shots on target we start converting so like i i think that the mystery is more about getting you know i think this is why you see the rumors with with holland and lukaku and others people who are just so comfortable in front of goal i think you know kai yesterday looked like he is probably the most per you know most comfortable person on this team in front of goal right now even you know ziesh probably had um actually had the the miss he had was the best possible like xg of any shot that we had like it was 0.6 and you know i think that's the type of miss where if timo misses that there's like you know a thread on twitter like with like the crazy music behind it because like he missed it um but yeah, I, this is just a matter of that, you know, and I, I think what was interesting with this one too, Nick, was that it, you almost saw a little bit of a difference in the way that we were lining up here to try to unlock some of this, right? You saw we had the three at the back. You saw Billy drop in way deeper. Way. You know, Ziesh and Mount were so far forward that they were they were flipping sides. You saw them interchanging with, with Havertz. You saw them interchanging with, with Timo. There was so much fluidity. And then Chilwell and Reese basically had full license to, you know, tuck in when they could to kind of pull out wide if necessary. It's, it's very interesting. And I almost wonder. It feels like we're maybe beta testing what we could do next season, where if we did play with like more of a two attackers up front and kind of drop someone back in that defensive mid position and really asked our midfielders to be more aggressive and more attacking. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? 222 shots or 88 of those are on target, right? So that's a decent amount on target. Not great, but decent amount. Still first in the league during this time, by the way, uh, beating Man City. 
And then of the 188 chances, you're only converting 9% of those for 20 goals. And by the way, 20 goals being sixth in the Premier League during this time tells you how bad of a Premier League season this has been uh, in terms of shot conversion. Because I felt like we are by far one of the worst and we're sixth in terms of goals. Like, that's crazy. Uh, lots of nil-nils happening up in here, uh, which is is not where you want to be. But, yeah, I mean, you like... As you said earlier, this the outputs, the, the where you're at, the stats that you're looking at, don't lie. I mean, you've you've done enough to score more goals, right? You you've done the hard part and oftentimes, right, to to get yourself into a, a really good goal scoring position. Now you just need to put the ball into the back of the net. Like you just need someone who's gonna shit house goals over the line. Like it does not need to be pretty. It does not need to be fluid. It just need, you need someone like Diego Costa who is going to hit it as hard as he can at the goal and hope that the goalkeeper's face, no offense, Brandon, takes a deflection off of a nose and dribbles over the line. That's what you need. And I'm like, I don't know what else to say on this. Like, it's just I get crazy. It. I, there's no offense. That's no offense taken. That's why we try to put our face. I want to pummel the goalkeeper. I get it. I want like just as much fire as possible yeah, right at you. Story of my life. Um, <laughs> as we continue down this kind of statistical analysis hole, um, we saw Mason. The other side looks great. By the way, <laughs> we we saw Mason and Ziyech much further ahead. Uh, Billy sitting mm. back, kind of holding it down on his own because Mason was not, not. By the way, sitting next tough to role him. for Billy yeah. yesterday, being on his own back there. What are we doing? Yeah, we. De- like, that's like when a, a deputy gets thrown into like a lawless town. It wasn't like, oh, hey, here's an easy first assignment, kid. It's like, nah, nah, man. Like we got the uh, what, criminals are running in the street. Go have fun. <laughs> well, I just want to touch on uh, Mount in that allegedly double six role. <laughs> <laughs> that he abandoned and, and just went all out eight in. Um, but Joe, there's this uh, pretty interesting player profile that Statsbomb does. And um, not only did it do a comparison, they compared the same player, but under different managers, which is a Chelsea player hurts this. Uh, I'm mm. just looking at this right now and it's a little unfair what they did. But it's Mount. Just real quick, is this radar the Mason Mount paternity test? Uh, like, are we trying to figure out if Tuchel or if Lampard is the real father here? So again, <laughs> go to our socials. We'll post it. But it's from Statsbomb, and uh, I expected Chelsea put it out. So it's Mount under Lampard in blue, and Mount under Tuchel in green. He had 19.9190 minutes in the PL Champions League under Lamps. He's had 13.9190s 90 minute matches uh, in the Premier League Champions League under Tuchel. Joe, this radar is pretty intense when you look at what he did under Lampard he had some very specific roles under Tuchel here in green he's touching so many more of these statistical categories it it's like it's really like mind-boggling he's he's speechless damn it he's speechless Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen the graphic, but I, I can only imagine really what the uh, comparison is going to be. But, but surely it just speaks to the fact that, that Mason is playing two completely different positions. We have him playing at the moment as an inside inside forward slash number 10. And, and under Lampard, he was sort of more playing as a, as a central midfielder with slightly more, I would imagine, well, quite, quite different duties. Um, 
I think if we're looking at the the overall development in, in his game, I think we're we're probably seeing more of the player that that Mason was. I think as an academy player. So for me, when he was coming through, he was always more of an attacking midfielder. Even when playing as a number eight, he was always sort of more of the Lampard type. Um, you know, the guy who was going to be sort of predominantly more forward. And I think really what Tuchel's done is just tapped into that sort of side of his game. You know, he is, I still think he is one of the best players probably in, in European football at the moment at receiving the ball on the half turn. You know, his ability to take the ball across his body, to beat to beat people without even really touching the ball, I think is exceptional. Um, use of ball in space, his ability to find space, his ability to drive through midfield with the ball. Um and these sort of advanced areas that we're seeing, we're starting to see more regularly now, Mount really starting to impact the game. You know, this uh, weird narrative about him earlier in the season, you know, no open play assists or whatever the, the peculiar thing was at the time, ignoring the fact that he had, you know, was, I think, I think he's still leading the league. Or he's, you know, he's, he's like a top five player in pretty much all the, all the chance creation metrics. And, and those include your basic uh, chances created as well as sort of your shot creating actions and things like that so you know he's he's developing into this sort of super super all-round player and you know I think that the thing that will separate him and I don't want to make this a you know Phil Foden or Grealish or whoever comparison but you know I think Mason can do a lot of what these guys can do but I don't think they can do a lot of what Mason can do if that makes sense you know he may not be as um aesthetically pleasing as, as Foden or as absolutely pinpoint on the money as, as Grealish but he's 90% the way there. And I don't think that any of these players really can match Mason, certainly in terms of his off-the-ball work, in terms of his defensive work. Um, and, and really, I think just in terms of his general kind of match intelligence as well. You know, if you were to swap Foden into the Chelsea side, I don't think he has anywhere near the same level of impact that, that Mount does in terms of how we play. Same with Grealish, I would say, as well. Just in terms of their ability, or just in terms of Mason's ability to set the press to, to be the, the 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 main guy, I think, in terms of Chelsea's output. So um, I, I could probably imagine in terms of the, the, the metrics reflecting this sort of change in role. Um, but I think what we're seeing now is just Mason becoming a a more well-rounded player. And we, we always forget his age because he's such a, a focal point of the team, but he's not going to be anywhere near his peak for another three years. Um, you know, working with, with Tuchel, hopefully, you know, beyond the, the usual 18-month Chelsea stint. Um, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see where he where he's going to land. But you know, there's a reason that he's been the first name on the team sheet for every single manager he's ever worked for. And now you listen to all the the England pundits and all around the England camp. It's not Foden and, and Grealish and, and Madison. It's you know Mason Mount plus one or one or two of these other guys. It's the same at Chelsea now. It's Mount plus one or two. Same it was the same at Vitesse when he was there as a 17 year old. Same at Derby. Same at Chelsea's academy. I think we just have to realise now that I think Mount is, he's becoming a little bit Thanos-like in that he's quite inevitable. You know, he's going to start, he's going to play, he's going to affect the game. Um, and I just want to see, really continue to see him grow and develop into what I think, you know, possibly could be a bit of a superstar in the future. Are you going out on a limb, Joe, and saying that he is um, a good footballer? Uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know if I go that that hard at the moment. I'd say he's mm. he's probably okay if we're looking at the, the true Decent. definition now. Yeah. Dece- yeah, decent. Yeah, decent's probably yeah. a good word. Yeah, he's a decent footballer. <laughs> nah, I think he's he's uh, he's exceptional. Um, you know, to, to come through, I think both and probably Reese as well to an extent. Maybe I think Mason is probably ahead of him in terms of quality. But the fact that both of them have really come through and, and really established themselves now as kind of bona fide first team players is is fantastic. And Mount, you know, I think Mount probably is our best player at the moment in terms of of, of his output, what he means to the team, what he gives to the team. Um, and I think hopefully for, for England fans, that will be something that we see replicated in the in the Euros as well. I think what was really interesting yesterday, and maybe just to touch on Reese briefly, is 
how comfortable the Christensen James partnership look. Yeah. I know we've talked about, you know, Christensen being the central defender and that was kind of where maybe we had pegged him and defined him. And I think he's maybe defying a little bit of that narrative this season, uh, particularly next to Silva, but he looked very, very comfortable with James. And I almost wonder, you know, does that maybe, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that Tuchel just is not going to put Asby in in midweek, but I at least think this starts begging the question of, could we potentially see now this transition to Christensen being locked in that back line, regardless of where it is, and Reese, you know, now getting that kind of wingback position locked down as well? I, I think it's going to be a very interesting lineup midweek. Well, I'll, yeah, I, go ahead, Joe. Can I, go, Nick. All I, all I was going to say was um, thoughts and prayers uh, to all who have doubted Mason all season. It's going to be a hard end of the year for you. Um, and look, just know that at the London is Blue podcast, you have a, a support system that can help you potentially get through what is going to be a really difficult time. Uh, I look, I, I think we've all we've all been there before, but uh, we we've been lucky enough to be on this on this bandwagon from a, a very early stage. Uh, so uh, anything that we can do to help, uh, just know that we're here for you. We have to get Jake to make a audio clip that's essentially like a fake, uh, like hotline. Like, yep. have you been suffering with deep denial about the quality of Mason Mount as a footballer? Do you think you have to compare him to Phil Foden and Trent Alexander-Arnold to prove his worth? If so, the London is Blue podcast is here for you with our new hotline. It's just me needs. yelling into the. <laughs> Yeah. Of course he's a great player. What are you talking about? <laughs> Love that. That's a great idea. But go ahead, Joe. Yeah. My, my point that. isn't anywhere near as comical as that, but no. right. I was just gonna I was only gonna say that I, I think uh, um Christensen and, and, and Reese, that, that that would be my preferred pairing, I think, going forward. But we know that Tuchel likes experience and I think Asby probably still has the nod. But I would like to see, uh, yeah, Andreas and, and Reese form that little, little deadly academy uh, combo on the right-hand side going forward. Apparently, Christian can do more than just uh, be a sweeper in a back three. So I guess mm. kudos to him. I'm still on record as very much wanting him sold. And I guess I'm having to... to warm up to him as these contract extensions start to uh you know progress it sounds like uh, the christensen hotline is next for you brandon we're gonna we'll make that yeah. one <laughs> all right dan go ahead and uh, lead us towards the end with your dan of the match obviously we didn't do it on social media so we don't have the votes to do it uh but if you're going to well, you know, I think there were probably three clear people you could put in here. I think Kai Havertz would be the presumptive favorite. Mason Mount, I mean, the control that he had to bring down that ball for the assist for Kai in addition to his all-around play was great. He did leave Billy a little stranded, so maybe we, we don't necessarily shade it to him uh, for the first half. And then uh, Mendy coming up with some massive Ooh. saves early on to help steady the ship. And so those would probably be the three. And you know what? I, I probably would just put Jorginho on there because I get told I don't put Jorginho in the man of the match, day in the match pull enough. So I would throw him in there just to make people happy. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that kind of, uh, there's really no way to complain or really dig into that too much because, again, we didn't get the, the tweet reactions. Uh, yeah, didn't talk about Mendy at all today, by the way. Just what you expect. Mendy, do you. He had to face shots, though. That was good. He actually had to work. Uh, you know, uh, he hasn't he hasn't had to do a whole lot of work in the last uh, whatever twenty matches. 
he's his face like one shot a game on average. It's like crazy. So I'm, I'm someone really happy. made the joke in our Discord. They said Donahuma as the uh, like because now Mendy is actually getting forced to make saves. Interesting. Yeah, pressure's on. He he delivered. He stood up and delivered. Uh, so the Premier League table a little bit interesting. Uh, the Liverpool United match is supposed to be well into uh, its time. It is not. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting scenes there at Old Trafford with protests. Uh, Perez definitely can't say there's only 40 people there, and they even made it onto the pitch. So no, there were 60. Yeah, we're waiting to see what happens there. So the table, uh, again, as it stands before the United-Liverpool match, before the Tottenham-Sheffield match, before the West Brom-Wolves match, and most importantly, before the Burnley-West Ham uh, match. The table as it stands of recording Man City, um, depending on how this United-Liverpool game goes, might have locked up the title today. Uh, United in second on 67 points, Leicester City in third on 63 points, drawing to 10-man Southampton. Uh, Chelsea in fourth on 61 points, West Ham with the game in hand in fifth on 55 points. So a little bit of breathing room, but obviously if they win, it goes right back to three points. Liverpool in sixth on 54 points, trying to keep the push on. Seventh is Tottenham uh, on 53 points, and eighth is Everton on 52. So uh, relegation, I don't think it's confirmed yet, but uh, West Brom still have a, not really a chance. Uh, Fulham are the only two still awaiting their fates, but Sheffield United long gone and relegated. Uh, Dan, some of these results, I think, from the weekend uh, broke our way, but we still need the big one with West Ham playing Burnley. Um, but you've got odds, right? Odds that we can react to if Chelsea will get the top four. Well, it, it did tick up after our performance. And so, yeah, we, we currently have a 71% probability to qualify for the Champions League in the current 538 model. Uh, Leicester did dip a bit as well after their results. So uh, 82% to them. Uh, Liverpool at 30, West Ham at 9%, Tottenham at 7, and less than 1% now for Everton, Arsenal, and Aston Villa. So my Arsenal to fourth projection from the beginning of the season uh completely washed at this point uh just rinse that one out i mean can't bat a thousand every year yeah uh, i mean we're, we're chasing lester um again if, if lester you're or wobbling yeah if, if you're able to catch lester then that goes up to 90 percent, right i mean because you would have leapfrogged a team and hopefully you're not going to drag two teams out of this thing um so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting, but God, we could really, really, really use Manchester United with a shit house victory whenever they play this thing. Um, and for Burnley to continue being a really odd duck in this Premier League season, like they're so bad most of the time, but then they'll come up with a four nil thing or they'll beat Everton off a wonder goal from McNeil, and you're like, who are you? <laughs> Tell. Burnley, tell us who you are because we've throttled you twice. Like, and you're you're not good, but somehow you're able to compete. It's they're a, they're an odd one. I remember United still have Leicester as well, so they could do us two favors before the end of the season, and you know that would be just fantastic, Joe. So I mean, ultimately, you know, results are breaking our way. It looks like a promising run in, and we're competing in a semifinal to go to the Champions League final and an FA Cup final. This is. 
This is great. Terrible season for us as usual, you know. <laughs> no, <it's>, uh, <laughs> chaos it and is. trophies. <laughs> chaos and trophies. It's chaos and trophies as usual. Um, I, I'm beginning to think that this might be a tactical ploy from the club. You know, every 18 months, you know, just, just, just do something a bit sort of, you know, absolutely insane just to shake the players up a bit, just to get everyone sort of back on board. But uh, yeah, I think the, the way things are breaking, let me say the way things are breaking, I mean, ultimately every team has to play everyone twice. Um, where those fixtures fall, obviously is a bit of luck of the draw, but you know, the fact that Leicester have, uh, are, are where they are is probably in relation to the fact that they haven't played, as you say, United and us and, and whoever yet. So um, I am quietly confident that I think we might actually finish in third. And I think that would be a pretty decent achievement. Um, I do think that we might finish above Leicester. That probably is contingent on us beating them. Um, but I am uh, I'm quietly confident I think we can do that. I'm quite happy to take boring 1-0 wins until the end of the season in every competition, I should add, just uh, just as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think things are sort of slightly breaking uh, breaking away. And yeah, as you say, I think that, I don't know if the game's going to go ahead today, but I'm not sure if it will. Um, but if United Got beat it. Liverpool, then I would be... Pretty, pretty confident about finishing in the top four. Um, but yeah, you know, said FA Cup on the horizon. Obviously, a, a relatively sort of small game we've got in midweek as well this week, um, just to see, just to see what's happening there. Um, but you know, I think finishing up in the league, you know, finishing third, it, yeah, it would be a, would be a good, um, you know, would be a good achievement. I think for Tuchel. Still, obviously, I think you know, I hope this is something the club are still very kind of. Cognizant, obviously, we are still miles away from Man City in terms of that consistency over a season. Um, I don't want us to lose focus just because we've had a, a bit of an upturn in form um, going into next year. But third place, FA Cup, Champions League still to play for. I mean, you can't you can't argue with it. So, you know, I'd be uh, be happy. And I think again, you know, if, if we get into a final um, Touchwood after you know results this week, we've got every opportunity in a one-off game. And I, I do sort of, I think I do kind of throw myself into Tuchel's ability to manage a one-off game pretty well. He seems to have that capability. And again, because we're not playing somebody who will put like 11 men behind the ball, I think we've always got an opportunity and I think we've shown that. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting end to the season when it was looking maybe sort of December, January time, like it might be uh, not a particularly fun period for us, but you know, we're, you've got to be in it to win it. And I think we are at the moment. We have a bunch of one-off games coming up, right? I mean, yeah. basically all of them, uh, you know, Dan's every match is a final basically is true. I mean, our, our end of season, which is why I'm like not fully confident in the top four is bananas. We have Real Madrid Wednesday. Easy. Uh, City Drawn away. Down. On Easy. Saturday, nailed it. Yeah, Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal at home. Please, Joe. Easy. Yep, there you go. Sorry. Uh, FA Cup final against Leicester City uh, on the fifteenth of May. Tricky. Yep. <laughs> uh, then, then four days later, play them again in the league uh, because that's and that's basically the one, right? I mean, if you're if you're serious about you know potentially finishing third, you got to beat them. You Twice know, to in take four those days points. is miserable miserable yeah. man and they had to do that too with Southampton I think it was it was that kind of close and then uh Aston Villa uh, who are on the beach already to finish I mean that's a that's a really you got you play Real Madrid City Arsenal Leicester twice and Villa that's a tough tough end of the season <laughs> it's no joke I don't know I think it's one of those things where I, I have more confidence in us in tougher fixtures than I actually yeah. do against like I'm looking at Villa thinking you know, you know, Villa, Villa <laughs> could be the, the tricky one. That, that's that's well, the trip up the Villa game. 
If, but, if we were going to roll the end of the season against Sheffield United and Newcastle and Burnley, would you feel any better about the fixtures? No. You'd be like, oh, these are the teams we always capitulate against. At least you know that we're going to go in with a bit of a fighter's mentality in yeah. a London derby and against a Leicester team that wants to take a, you know, take a trophy away from us. Like Confidence in adversity. Yeah. Yeah, Tuchel's gonna gonna carry us forward. We're gonna have two trophies to celebrate at the end of the season. It's gonna I, be fucking I, wild. I also think that at this time of the year, Brandon, let's say that you, you know, let's put it out there. Let's say that you hypothetically win on Wednesday. You're in the Champions League final. The, the amount of confidence that that would give this team heading yeah. into a big yeah, yeah. run in. Like, I, I don't know if that can be understated, <laughs> like, in any way. Like, to be a Champions League finalist rolling through the rest of the year with that swagger and that, you know, just like nose to the grindstone mentality that we've showed, it's a big deal. And I would hope that would catapult us in the other direction. It could, you know, knock off some of that confidence too. And I think that's the delicate balance that Tuchel has now. Yeah. These are, these are big distractions. Um, when you get into a cup final, that kind of overrides everything else you're doing. Because it, you're that you're that close to getting a winner's medal, to holding a trophy, mm-hmm. and the FA Cup is a real trophy. The Champions League, if we get past Real Madrid on midweek, is th- we the realest trophy. And a lot of players only get one shot in their entire careers. And so I could absolutely see um, slip ups in the league before, almost like players. I don't want to get injured. I don't want to be too fatigued. I want to make sure I'm primed and ready for Real Madrid, FA Cup final, potentially Champions League final, and the rest of it goes to the wayside. But you have to manage those things. And thankfully at Chelsea, we're blessed with some depth. So we have three left backs, right? We can we can spread the wealth a little bit. Kepa's proven to be a much better servant than what any of us expected at the beginning of the season. All of a sudden, there's some rotating we can do. Tammy hasn't played a lot of minutes. I bet he'd love a run out in the league the rest of the season. You know, and so I think that there are some 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 things that Tuchel can use to his leverage. But I'm telling you from a player's perspective, like they are absolutely in tunnel vision on these finals and the Real Madrid semifinal because they are so close to being able to achieve the pinnacle success that a play, most players can ever achieve in their career, and they're right there, and rightly so. Chelsea want to win trophies, and that's what it's all about. So, well, the and the ladies, the the Chelsea women, I should say, pushing all of the buttons too. Yeah, like yep. the anything you can do, I can do better thing. Do you guys remember those old Nike oh, commercials? Yeah. They just brought back them back. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I I, lo- I love I love that there might be a little internal competition. Oh, abs- all right. absolutely. Absolutely. On Sunday, we handled our business. Hope you can do the same. You know, I think there's something there. I think that's fun. Well, it is a glorious time of the year, per usual, as a Chelsea fan. Uh, What a wild, wild ride this season has been, honestly. But we'll have more of that with Joe this summer. So, Tweeds, thank you so much, sir, for hanging out with us on your Sundays. Always, we appreciate it. Yeah, it's been good fun. Good good to have you back, Brandon. It's been a lot more regimented. Appreciate you. uh, Yeah, a lot more (laughs) organized, which is always appreciated. But no, it's been good fun. Yeah, no, it's been good, as always. Nick and Dan, gentlemen, always a pleasure to see you. Uh, it's uh, it's been fun. In our in our 
London is blue draft. Joe, you're a number one pick. <laughs> I'm so happy. I am so happy that I am a Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Oh, yeah. and this podcast is all about the friends we make along the way. And, you know, that's where we end it. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, listeners, thank you for putting up with our ridiculousness. Uh, it's been a good one. Hope you are feeling excited on top of the world as you should yeah. be. Uh, huge, huge match midweek against Real Madrid. So make preparations so you can watch that one. It is going to be pins. And it's Cinco de Mayo. So apparently take the afternoon off. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. A lot more coming at you this week, Chelsea fans. So be on the look for that. Uh, uh, social media blackout until we're back, what, Tuesday? Yeah. All right. Yep. Just like everyone else. So uh, appreciate the support on that. But that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. 